I really think mindfulness, it's not obviously the, the solution for everything, but I think it's the starting point for a lot. And I think it's really the antidote to a lot of the challenges that we are experiencing as a, as a society and also individually. Welcome to Barely Naked. I'm your host, Christina Beischel, and together we will explore topics such as mental and physical health, healing, and well-being. We'll meet inspiring individuals and hear their stories. I'm so excited to have you here. Let's dive in. Hi, Sophie. Welcome to Barely Naked. I'm so excited to have you here today. Hi, Christina. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> so you're a mindfulness trainer and you're the founder of Zen and Go. But you haven't always been a mindfulness trainer. So I would just love for you to tell the listeners a bit about yourself, how you ended up becoming a mindfulness trainer, and kind of just your inspiration and, and how it all happened for you. Yeah, um, where to start? <laughs> I think my my journey from um, being a very, how to say, business-driven person working uh, at Siemens Healthineer. So I have really a business background, studied business administration and um, yeah, becoming a mindfulness trainer is quite a um, interesting one maybe. It's when I started to work, I always had this dream, you know, of becoming this um, successful businesswoman working in a big company with many people getting tr being dressed really nicely having this big flat and when I started my first job that's kind of what I got I mean obviously I didn't make tons of money but it was still a very good job to begin with after my studies and my job was really nice I enjoyed it a lot um, but looking back Next to the stress I naturally had, I actually took a lot of extra stress on my shoulders. I was, and I'm talking now, I think seven years ago, I was very, yeah, feeling very small in a way when I went to work. And it was also like that in the internships I did before starting my first job. Um, I was always more concerned about what would other people think of me? How can I please everyone? which we all know is not really possible. And this kind of pressure I put on myself, it led to a lot of suffering looking back. Um, mentally, emotionally, and also I had crazy or developed crazy sleep problems back then, seven years ago. Sometimes for three days in a row, three nights in a row, I really couldn't sleep. And eventually there was a point when I was really asking myself, is that it? Will this be my quote-unquote work life or is there a way that I can actually you know make a career have fun and stay in a way or become um, happy <laughs> and that led me to discover a lot of psychology eventually led to spirituality and I started practicing a lot of yoga that led me also to meditation and I was so um impressed by the effects it had actually immediately I mean my sleep problems they went away within weeks and then next to my job I did a lot of certifications in yoga first then meditation I did also a full year of um, with the Mindful Leadership Institute a trainer for mindfulness for organizations and I was at Siemens Healthineers I told you and then I saw everyone around me and I was feeling better and better and better and it influenced so greatly my job 
And I noticed, oh my God, the other ones, they feel the same. Like I also felt they put so much extra mental stress on top of what is there. And out of this yeah, big positive effect I felt on myself, I brought it then a little bit into the company or not, or not a little bit. Um, back then there was no mindfulness at all in this huge company. It was still something that we wouldn't talk about so much. And um, I started a grassroots initiative next to my job that grew within one and a half years, I think from 30 people to a huge community of over 900 people. Wow. Um, I was eventually invited by Ben Montag, who is the CEO of Siemens Healthineers, to meditate with him and to tell him actually about what, what mindfulness in the workplace can really do. And yeah, eventually I decided to bring this whole um, passion of mine that I developed into the entire world. <laughs> and then I started Zen and Go three years ago, actually, almost to the date, I think a few days ago, um, it was really the anniversary. Oh, wow. So um, who do you work with now? Who are your clients? Is it individuals? Is it companies? It's mainly companies now. For the first year, I was trying a lot. I, I started off working with companies. I mean, Siemens Healthineers became my first client almost immediately, which was really, really great um, just because I have a really good connection to this company. Um, but I also teach a lot of meditation courses, yoga courses um, on site and then online when COVID hit. But um, for now, as I'm also now based in Berlin, I switched city and my passion, I think, lies to bring this into the business world because I see there's still so much potential and so many people don't know about the really simple techniques that can so, so, so ease the daily life. Yeah. And we will um, go into those in a second as well. Um, but what I'd like to know from you as well is what are the biggest challenges that you see with the people that you work with? Good question. Well, I, I just remember um, because yesterday I was giving a keynote and afterwards I was talking to the head of HR of this company and he came to me after it and said, Sophie, this is actually the first time that I really understand how that mindfully can be really powerful. And we started to talk and he said, you know what? I, do, I don't do anything for myself. I, I work 10, 11 hours for this company and I love my job. And then I try to also be helpful for my wife, my children at home. I don't spend any minute of the day doing something for myself. And I think many people can relate to that. And it's not because we don't want to. <laughs> it's more that many people feel very driven by their agendas. And then they just feel like if I had more time when I finally go on vacation, then I can start doing something for me. And I think that's really the self-care part that... Um, many people struggle with and I don't even talk about self-care externally like getting a massage or going to the sauna I talk about a way deeper level that many people are missing and it's this feeling or this knowing of oneself who do we actually who are we what are my values what do I really truly need in order for, to feel great and then of course as a next step also setting boundaries and saying no or saying yes to things that excite us so I think it's the self-care, that's the first thing. And then the second one, I think it's very obvious that we're really drowning in information. Mm. It's really, I mean, 
we both know it too, right? With all the technology we have around yeah. us that brings us so many opportunities, but also it feels like our minds are so full and that leads to, for many people, a very short attention span, um, a lack of really being able to deeply listen, which leaders or also colleagues really need in a company. Um, the feeling of, yeah, in a way, knowing everything or, or having access to all the information, but then never feeling enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think it's mainly these two things that I hear the most. Well, let's get into it then. What is mindfulness? What is mindfulness to you? And what are some of the things you can implement? Mm -hmm. So the standard definition of mindfulness is to, it has three aspects to it. It's a special way of directing our attention. And we do it by becoming present, which sounds so simple. <laughs> It's so difficult sometimes, which means to kind of bring our mind to the place where our body is, here and now, not in the past, not in the future. Being present. The next one is to be aware. And that is also something I'm referring now a lot to this keynote yesterday because it's so top of mind now that also some participants said, wow, it's so interesting. I can lay my hands into my lap and then I can be aware that I lay my hands into my lap and it changes everything. So it's really... Awareness in a way that I'm aware of what I'm doing, I'm aware of what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And awareness basically brings us an ability to take a decision, to consciously say, do I do this now or do I don't do that? Um, the opposite of awareness is autopilot. And then the third thing is, um, it's always called acceptance or non-judgment. And um, this is a little bit of a tricky one because sometimes people think, Okay, so if I'm mind, if I'm mindful, I have to just accept everything. I become completely passive. I don't speak up anymore. But I think that's not true. I think it rather means, or it talks about these like often first initial judgments that we have. We might sit in the morning, we close our eyes, we want to start a mindfulness practice and we notice, oh my God, I'm so exhausted or I'm so stressed. And then immediately, our mind says, oh, I don't want this. This is negative. And actually mindfulness means I see it, it's happening, and I'm taking it as it is. And I think uh, what mindfulness means to me, because you asked that too, I think it's in a way focusing what is really real. <laughs> because I've struggled a lot with anxiety um, I still do. I mean, it still comes up for me, particularly when things in the world happen that we can't control. Um, but I learned to, whenever my thoughts drift off, oh my God, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if my life, you know, goes down? Um, I note, I, I focus back on my breath. I feel my heartbeat. I look around and see, oh, I'm in my room now. I'm actually very safe in this moment if I don't follow my thoughts. Um, yeah. So it's being intentional, but also just paying attention to your surroundings and your situation rather than the bigger picture a lot of the times. 
Yeah, in a way, yes. And I think it's good that you that you say that because it it is that, and it's also more in a way that by actually focusing back on what is really real, um, we can also have a better how to say perspective on the bigger picture. So mindfulness is also in a way taking a distant perspective perspective of an eagle flying over our lives and saying, okay, in a way, um, it's it's we we learn when we when we practice mindfulness in a way that we are really important. Our the way we think, the way we act, it has a huge impact. And on the other hand, we are not that important. On the other hand. It's not about our ego always, what, what we want, how we can have the best life. It's also bringing us back to our real deep needs and values, which for many or most of the people is in finding a community, helping others, serving others. So you see it, mindfulness, it seems like a small thing when you just learn about these three aspects, but it's actually, um, it becomes a practice at first and then it becomes a way of living your life so when someone approaches you and has no kind of background idea what mindfulness is what's the first thing you get them to do i think the most relatable thing that i i would suggest or, or try out with this person would be to focus on our breath um I learned that a lot in yoga and I think many, maybe some of the listeners already practice yoga and know that in a way we can start learning to breathe again, even though we do it unconsciously 24 hours per day. But our breath in a literal and also in a symbolic way is a very powerful tool to calm ourselves down. So when we close our eyes, even keep them open and first for a few moments, we take a few deep breaths in and out. It really calms our nervous system. And psychologically, it, the breath is really like an anchor. When we breathe consciously, it's really hard to think about something. So whenever we go down this rabbit hole, we think about, again, these worst case scenarios, or we can't stop thinking about what somebody said the other day. We can focus on our breath for just five, six cycles of breath. And this will automatically take us out of these often deconstructive loops of thoughts. And this is really relatable. Often. Yeah, I use this in, in my practice as well when I uh, talk to people about stress or burnout, um, when they find themselves in a stressful situation, I always tell them about the four, seven, eight breathing technique yeah. because it just calms down the nervous system and everyone just finds it super helpful. So I think breath is just a breath work is just really important and there's so much to it as well. Yeah. Now, the term mindfulness gets thrown a lot at the moment. Um, and I think we discussed mm -hmm. this as well when we caught up the other day. How do you bridge the gap between the scientific side of it and mm -hmm. the spiritual side of it? Oh, that's a, it's an interesting question. I think nobody has asked me that before. Or maybe I even didn't think about it consciously myself. I have to say that when I work with companies, I leave out the spiritual side. That's maybe the first answer. <laughs> Because I think that um, bringing up this topic of mindfulness and, of course, 
the word meditation, to practice meditation, still there are so many weird pictures that people have in mind. And mm -hmm. I know in our bubble or <laughs> how we perceive this word, yes, it gets thrown around a, mat a lot, but in companies actually... Yesterday, again, it was, I think, 70 to 80 people and many of them have never meditated before. Mm. So when I bring this um, practice into companies, I rather focus on the scientific side. I present a lot of studies, um, neuroscience background information. I mean, it always helps people that are very critical about it, which I really appreciate. Um, and also it gives some kind of safety right like we always want to have we want to know this is scientifically proven and but I, I do think the more important thing is really to experience it it's like talking about or even talking about studies about bananas <laughs> how they taste <laughs> and we really have to taste them to really know how it is and I think particularly with mindfulness it's like that the spiritual side is very important for me um, I practice it a lot I mean spirituality I think is something, it's like the biggest self safety net, I would say, in mm. my life. Um, but for now, at least, I leave it out. Yeah. How, how do you do that with your clients? Um, we don't, we don't go down that path unless there's someone who is really spiritual and wants to explore um, their situation through the lens of spirituality, then um, I let them talk about it. But because of the work that I do, I'm not so much there to give advice or whatever. I'm there as a sounding board and to help them find their way. So it really depends on um, who I work with. But usually it's more guiding them as to what resonates with them. Mm. Yeah, but 90% of the time I would say it's it's not spiritual. Like most people still, as you said, have like these weird pictures in their head. And um, sometimes the the word spirituality can even throw people off. Yeah. So it's it's a balance. Yeah, and um, I think um I mean I think often people say something or, or it comes up particularly when I work longer with people, like I often do these two days training and that's nice because it gets really intense after some time. And then they say things that I think are meant spiritually. <laughs> they just don't give it this word. I mean it's things like how we meditate longer or it's the sixth or seventh time they say, Wow, I I don't know, I feel like I just really connected to myself. I mean, that's that already is, in a way, spirituality, right? Because yeah. what, what do they connect to? Um, yeah. Or they say, wow, I, um, I felt a sense of, of peace or, or inner, inner happiness. And I feel like th there's more to explore. Um, it's almost like it's an inner universe that we have and we can deep dive into it. And I think um, then I'm always like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I wouldn't put it on a slide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But maybe it will come in the future. And then yeah. I remember um, when I was still at Siemens Health and Years, like really more than three years ago, um, a colleague of mine, I had a nice coffee with him and he said, Sophie, I really want to become spiritual. How do I do it? <laughs> and I, I, I remember I thought, wow, cool that he has this plan. And so I, maybe there is more demand in a way for that. But I'm... Yeah, let's see. I think a next. lot of it is becoming more popular in a lot of ways, like manifestation mm -hmm. and manifesting mm -hmm. things. Like, I don't know if it's just because of what we do that it, it pops up a lot, but I also feel like that's something that's um, become quite popular over the last few years. 
Um, so there's different things now happening. Um, but yeah, I always make sure it's, it's exactly what the client's needs and where they're coming from. And I guess you do the same thing. Um, what are some of the scientific benefits then of mindfulness? So, um, I, I wouldn't maybe say mindfulness, I would rather say meditation. As, yeah. So maybe just for the listeners, if they never practiced, um, or if mindfulness is really new, meditation is really, I, I think there's literally no way around meditation if you want to become really more mindful in our life. It's just the mindfulness gym in a way. And uh, most of the studies around meditation, um, th there's a lot out there. <laughs> And they're often, um, it's a group of, of people, like control group, uh, uh, sorry, test group. And then there's a control group who does something else in the test group. They meditate for eight weeks often. Um, and it's not monks or um, it's often normal people that work in companies and they, they start a meditation practice for maybe 10 to 20 minutes per day and then they measure different aspects. And um, there are so many aspects. I mean, it starts with um, meditation being super stress relieving. I mean, we can literally see um, when we look at, at MRT scans of, of meditator brains, um, we can literally see it, the brain changing after even a short time of eight weeks, um, the amygdala, which is, you know, that of course the stress center in our brain, um, it, it literally, we see in studies that literally shrinks in people who meditate. Um, so that means we can have the same stressful environment around us, but we just feel less stressed about it. Um, people that meditate, um, we can see that they become more compassionate with others, with themselves. Um, the areas in our brain that are responsible for focus, concentration, which is obviously very, um, very important <laughs> to be productive and efficient. Um, these areas grow bigger. Um, so it's nice that we can actually, um, that studies have evolved from people just giving subjective answers, you know, just have, filling out a survey. Oh, after eight weeks, I feel better. We can literally see it in the brain now. And I mean, there are even physical benefits. I mean, of course, when we're less stressed, it benefits our entire system. There are also studies about uh, the, the heart health. Um, I think they look at heart rate variability, how it changes when people have a consistent meditation practice. And it, um, yeah, it's crazy how this practice, when, when we sometimes think we just sit there and we don't do anything, um, it's shown to to have the same effect, for instance, as sauna, cold water exposure. So it's called hermetic training, these things that we can do um, that are often very intense. And they're in a way, when we, if we would do them for a long period of time, it would almost harm us. If we sat in a sauna mm. for 30 hours or we swim yeah. in a cold lake um, or high-intensity training. Um, these neuroscientifically proven techniques that make our um, system really resilient, they have the same effect as meditation. And that's actually still something that is, for instance, assessed. Why? How can? <laughs> what actually happens? <laughs> so it influences really our entire system. And next to the studies, I mean, people literally feel it after they first try it out, that something is shifting in a subtle way. And that's so cool. Yeah. How do you um, meditate or how do you 
um, get people to meditate? Do you use sound, an app? Do you do guided meditation? Um, what's your approach there? Um, well, I always advise people to start guided. I mean, I personally started silent. Um, it was uh, recommended to me by a Balinese monk. So I was like, I'm going to just try it out. <laughs> but uh, most of the people I work with, they prefer guided. So I work um, or I started meditating with the app Insight Timer. Do you know mm -hmm. it? Yeah, I use that one. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, and it's. I think it's. There are so many out there. Obviously, Headspace, Calm, Waking Up. Um, I always stuck with Insight Timer, and I love it because it's. If you don't do courses, it's for free. Um, I also put my meditations up there um, after mm. some time. Yeah, I did it mainly uh, because. When I teach courses, I also give a lot of meditations. I didn't want to send them via Dropbox or something. So I wanted them in, in an app. And now actually, um, yeah, it's really nice to provide that to whoever wants to listen in. Um, Maybe send me the link as well and I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So mainly I would start guided. And what's really important is I always advise everyone to really start small. It's like when we go to the gym the first time in our lives and we want to gain muscles, we also don't take the 100 kilograms immediately. Mm. Yeah. We start with maybe 15 or 20. So same with meditation. If we want to be consistent with it and we have to, because it is a practice. If we only do it one hour every three months, we will not have these effects that we talked about. Um, so I normally say, go easy. Maybe the first thing you do um, when you wake up in the morning, you still sit in bed. Um, you take your, if you have your phone, I have it next to me because I listen to rain sounds uh, during the night. So I have it on airplane mode. Um, but they can also use their watch or something. Just set a timer for five minutes and do this conscious breathing or observe your breath um, or do a guided one. But five minutes and then it's done. And this will positively influence the entire day. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so true. Like you won't believe it until you've tried it. Cause, yeah. um, I always had a hard time meditating until like, I think five years ago or something. And then once I started doing it, I'd just become second nature and I'll just do it every day. Mm -hmm. But you really have to stick with it. Yeah. I think that's important. So what do your programs look like? I saw on your website, you have different types of programs that you do. What can people expect when they um, book that with you? Yeah, so I think um, I have kind of three categories of programs. The first one is the the one with the smallest threshold. So many companies start with that. That's just um, I offer kind of experience sessions. So, um, for instance, there's a company in Munich that I offer um, weekly mindful breaks just for all employees. It's only half an hour and it's really like a mindfulness gym. We always do exercises and I explain a little bit. Um, the second uh, category is more educative. So that's depending on what the customer wants. It's workshop that, that can lead from um, that can take from, I think, 60 minutes to half a day um, and then the last category is more deep dive trainings and that's these two days training that I offer 
or I have a, um, it's called Mindful Empowerment course that goes over eight weeks. It's only one hour per week. So it's very targeted to a business audience. Um, there's a lot of things around that, like workbook, um, deep dive emails, Q and A's and stuff. And the more educative courses are really to, um, yeah, and to not only let people taste mindfulness and make it like a yoga class, you know, you go there and you feel you recharge and then you go back to your life. It's more really learning, um, a little bit like university to what is it really. Um, I combine mindfulness then with different areas, um, how to work more efficiently. Um, how can I define my values? How can I, um, really understand what do I really need? Um, and yeah, together we work on that. And this eight weeks program, I always measure it if I can. So people get asked, before the training, um, different questions like how stress resilient do you feel? How well do you feel is your, are your relationships to others, your communication, your collaboration? How, how well are you able to focus? Things like that. Then we measure it right afterwards. And then, um, one more time after two months to also see whether, you know, <laughs> the effects stick. And um, what we've seen, and this was really even a surprise to me because I know that these tools work, um, but we saw, and I think I have like 56 answers or something, so it's not huge, but it is a pretty valid base, I would say. Um, stress goes down, I think, by 35%, and I'm talking wow. difference between the beginning, before the course, and after these two months, so it's really a long-term effect. And variables like focus, also creativity we measured, which was mm -hmm. interesting, go up, I think up to 20%, something like that. Um, and um, collaboration, the, the feeling of emotional or yeah, emotional stability go up. So yeah, we can really see that um, there is a shift happening. And for some, it's more subtle. Some just text me and say, this morning I was in a balcony and you know what? For the first time I really noticed my environment and I had this sense of, I felt really, really content and happy. And others say, wow, I, I feel very differently at work now. I bring myself way more in and um, I stand up for myself. And that's that's really amazing. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really amazing. Um, you touched on, you, you mentioned values a couple of times while we've been mm. speaking. And I always think with my clients, that's a very important thing. And I always get them to work on their values and, and work out what their values are. How do you help your clients to work through that and, and find out what their core values are? Mm -hmm. I, um, I don't know if it's really good what I'm doing, <laughs> but I'm, I'm actually just, uh, I'm copying one exercise that I once learned in a mindfulness training I attended myself because I think it's not so easy, right? To define the values. Mm. If you just ask, you say, what are my values? You say something differently every day, probably, but you're right. I mean, they are so important. They're like, the they're pillars. like decision helpers, right? Yeah. In a way. And, um, yeah, the exercise I use is I make them, I ask them um, to think about uh, three people that they really admire, um, can be someone who they know or don't know, and then write down different attributes that um, that describe these, these people. And then they come up with a list, maybe 10 attributes, 
And then I often either I go, if it's more smaller group, I go into a meditation or we also exchange a bit. Um, and then I ask them really to feel a bit into what, what, what resonates most with them. And, uh, normally it's quite easy to narrow it down to like two or three values that they say, yeah, actually that's really true. That is really important to me. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I remember I did that. And for me, my values, um, are warmth <laughs> with people. I love warm people, but I also love sun and warm countries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, structure. <laughs> I really love it when things um, are, are tidy in a way. And also, you know, maybe it's my Germanness. <laughs> you have it too. And then also freedom. And this actually, because it, you said it's so important and it's true. It helped me because I know why I'm freelancing. And if I yeah. ever start to um if I ever get employed again I'm open to that but then I, I need this also to be fulfilled um to have my freedom yeah what what are your three values um mm-hmm. loyalty honesty and kindness oh beautiful mm. yeah yeah but it took a while to work these out as well that's why I was mm-hmm. asking because most people when you ask them about values they they usually don't have an answer mm-hmm. or as you said they just change them um yeah. whereas I think there's Maybe it's more than three. You can probably have four as well. But I think there's it's that core that helps you make decisions and also kind of influences the people that you surround yourself with. Yeah, um, yeah so, but that's, um, yeah, I think the exercise is really helpful as well because anyone listening can, I think that's something you can just do straight away and just work on. Yeah, yeah. And you also mentioned that the stress levels went down from the answers that you got from your course. Mm. So how does mindfulness and um, meditation influence stress level, uh, stress levels and how can it calm down the nervous system? Mm. Um, okay, I'm wondering how, <laughs> how deep I go, <laughs> how detailed I go with my answer. Um, Okay, I take the neuroscientific way. Let's see if I can explain it in a good way. And I mean, you know so much about that too. So also let me know if there's something to add or change. (laughs) Okay, so um, when we're stressed, what happens in our brain is that our amygdala gets active, right? So it's this stress center that is always scanning the environment, almost like this little... I see it as a little figure in our in our brain, always being a bit like uptight and like, oh, something could be wrong. And um, we all know how it feels to be stressed, right? Um, our nervous system, our bodies, they, they just feel very tense. Um, our breath gets really shallow. Our muscles start to tighten up. Um, we start to sweat maybe, start to become really hot. So it's when our um, nervous system gets really in this activation mode. And what actually happens in the brain um, is that our our brain and our body, they get ready to fight or flight. So it's also called fight or flight mode or freeze. Um, and when we think about a situation when we really needed that, so maybe I'm out here, I live in Berlin, as you know, maybe I'm out in Neukölln or something on the street and then there's somebody literally wanting to attack me during the night. Mm. In this case, my body would go fully into this fight or flight mode And in that case, my brain or my body, they don't want me to really uh, make, take a really long time to take decisions anymore, right? Um, Instead, 
my my rational thinking has to be to a certain extent to be impaired. Otherwise, I cannot instinctively run or instinctively fight or do whatever I need to be safe. So when we are in a less stressful situation, but it's still um, subjectively perceived stress, like, I don't know, I get it always when somebody calls me with an anonymous number, I get really stressed. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the same mechanism happens. So um, the body tightens up, we all know how it feels, we get this tunnel view, and also our, yeah, our rational thinking is in a way impaired. So it's not really a moment to take a conscious decision. So the thing is, when we practice meditation, or actually doesn't even need to be this formal way, um, it's basically when we direct our awareness um, inwards. So when we feel really stressed, but then we we become aware of it. We maybe feel, oh, my shoulders, wow, they're really tired, or uh, my heart is beating really fast. I have tons of really crazy raising thoughts. Um, but just going from this um, little bit like conceptual mode into perceptual mode, we go into perceiving what's going on. Um, from a neuroscientific perspective, it's... Um, it's almost like, in, in, said in a simple way, it connects our, our different brain centers again. So mm -hmm. once we start having this awareness, we are able to take a step back and rationally, rationally think about things again. And we all know it from <laughs> when we have a discussion that gets really heated, maybe a fight even. We sometimes behave in a way that two hours later when we are relaxed again, we think, oh my God. Who was this person? Yeah. Why did I did that? And that's often very impulsively out of this um, stressful moment of, it's also called emotional hijacking, right? We just follow impulsively the anger or the irritation. We don't think about. And um, yeah, when we instead um, approach the situation with mindfulness and notice, okay, there's anger coming up, there's stress coming up, we get to have a choice. And every time we sit down in meditation, which is a very um, often calm environment that we're in, so we're hopefully not in a stressful situation, it's quiet, we can sit with ourselves, we kind of strengthen this muscle to use this awareness, use mindfulness then in, in the challenges that we face um, in our daily life. Yeah. That's a great answer, yeah. I think that's also very, even though it's scientific, easy to understand, And I think that's important because I do really want people to understand why these techniques do help. And I think that that was a great answer. You're also a yoga teacher. How does that influence your work? <laughs> How does it influence my work? I mean, I do bring in um, yoga techniques and I'm now talking only about the physical exercises that are actually um, maybe 5% of what yoga really is. I mean, if, if I can maybe do a short um, detour <laughs> around that, which many people don't know, and I only learned that um, during my, my yoga teacher training, is that um, the word yoga actually means connection. And the first time this word was written down was around 2,000 years, um, or now it's like 4,000 years ago already. Um, it was written down in the so-called Yoga Sutra, which was written by a group or man called Patanjali. And um, he explains basically in this book 
um, how we can quiet our minds and how we can connect to ourselves or to something higher. And the techniques he gives for that is mainly meditation. He also gives, in a super small part, he says we should practice asana, so the physical exercises. Um, but those were mainly developed in order to prepare our body for meditation. Mm. Because sitting um, straight <laughs> without moving too much for longer than five minutes is a, a challenge for most of us. Um, so that's why meditation yoga actually is so closely connected and uh, it all comes down to actually strengthening our meditation practice. So how I use yoga is particularly when I work longer with people, um, I, I think it's often helpful to calm down the body in a way first, stretch it a bit um, and yeah, making it slow down in a way and then it's easier to go into meditation yeah okay amazing and um so what are some easy tips for the listeners to bring more mindfulness in their day maybe even incorporating some yoga poses while we're on that topic i mean also maybe yeah maybe a point um answering your question now but also adding to the one before is um I think what yoga also did mostly to my life, it gave me so much courage and inner strength. I, I, I think I would have never thought about freelancing. I mean, I, I know I started business administration, I would, but I would never take these entrepreneur courses. I was like, mm. never. I mean, I, you know, I want to be this business person working in the international <laughs> company. And uh, yeah, and this, the yoga practice... Um, because it always works with a straight spine, it strengthens our muscles as well, and it just makes us grow in a way internally mm. and also physically. Um, it gives a lot of strength. So um, what I can recommend to, to do as a daily yoga practice is maybe practicing sun salutations. And this is just a very simple flow that um, can be looked up on YouTube or Instagram, mm. everywhere probably. Um, and this can take, I think one round is maybe half a minute or one minute. Um, and it stretches our body, makes us sweat a little bit. And this can be done in the morning, maybe before meditation. And also maybe just another very simple trick. Um, because I said we are so drowning in information, right? So what really helps is to make sure to... Um, minimize as many notifications as possible mm, yeah. so for instance on my phone i i of course i have a notification when somebody calls me it's a vibration though i don't want to annoy myself or anyone else around me with too much sound um all the other apps they're showing up of course when i look at my screen i see okay there's a pop-up on on whatsapp or something but i i don't get any any very obvious notifications in. I even on my iPhone, you can do that, I'm sure on Android as well. When I open my phone, my start, my, my first screen that I see, I only have the most essential apps on it. So it's my notes, it's my, it's inside timer, the meditation app, it's the alarm clock, the weather app, and I think the, the phone button. And then only when I switch to the right, you know, which you can, do on most phones, I guess, yeah. I, I guess, then I have, I have all my other apps so that I'm not drawn to, oh, I open my phone and I see, oh my God, 69 WhatsApp messages, Instagram, etc. to really keep myself from being distracted all the time. And the same you, we can do on, on, on the laptop as well. 
Um, we don't need to see every email that comes in with a pop-up. Um, mm -hmm. We don't need to get pop-ups, I think, from everything that happens in the world every few seconds. I think it's okay if we have moments in the day, maybe morning and evening, we check the news. Maybe we even have email slots um, so that we, next to all the meetings and emails, we can really be creative also and yeah. carve out some space. I love that. My phone is also always on silent because mm. I just don't want to get distracted that way. But what also helps me sometimes just consciously also putting the phone down, like actually mm. noticing, and this goes back to mindfulness, is like noticing when I've had it in my hand for too long and being conscious about the fact that I'm going to put it down now and going to leave it somewhere or sometimes even putting it in another room because it's yeah. very easy to get sucked into the apps and then just scrolling mindlessly. So easy. Yeah. And I mean, we, I, 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 I would say, and maybe it's normal, but I, I would say I have a very addictive character to this thing. <laughs> also with Netflix and, and phone. So I have to be specifically careful And uh, yeah, and I mean, I think what you said is just this action of saying not now. It's a conscious yeah. choice and it's it sounds so simple, but it's so powerful. And also when we are with others, right, do we always need to have the phone on the table? Like now when you go right. into cafes, I, I sometimes look around and think, why <laughs> why are we always putting our phones on the table? Because I yeah. think there are also studies that show just the phone lying on the table, even if it's turned around it already distracts us from being really mm. present with the other person. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the apps are designed to keep us on there. They're all kind of like gaming. I think they have the basics of mm. gaming. So to keep us there, to keep the screen time up. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's this conscious decision, which is, which is hard. Um, mm. I have one last question for you. And that is, what is your biggest accomplishment to this day? <laughs> Oh, that's a beautiful question. I love <laughs> that. Um, hmm. I think I, I would say my biggest accomplishment is to bring more mindfulness into my relationships. Um, mm -hmm. And this sounds maybe weird to, to see it as an accomplishment. It's not something so external like I, made, I did this master or I, I had this... Um, booking with a client or something but I, I feel like yeah coming back to values it's always the most important for me is also connection and um I think in the past I mean I, I try to not judge myself so much that my younger self because I think that's also something that can happen when we grow mm. but when I look back to university uh particularly my bachelor I think I was actually not such a good mental state I, I didn't feel well and then I would always gossip so much and It was just because I felt so small and then the others felt so, you know, mm. superior. And what do we do then? We we gossip and yeah. um, also had very unhealthy friendships. And I think my greatest accomplishment, and it will still continue, is that um, I, I, through being more mindful of myself or, or sitting with myself literally in meditation, um, I think I've, I have started to feel more comfortable and more authentic in relationships. And if you look at my friends now and also my partner it's more it's way more healthy and way more authentic and, and deep and really um yeah like a support network that we are mm. for each other and it's really beautiful yeah I love that it's a beautiful answer it's also a great way to end <laughs> is there you. anything you would like to add before we wrap up today 
Um, I think I would just maybe sum it up again or maybe as a sentence of motivation that I really think mindfulness, it's not obviously the, the solution for everything, but I think it's the starting point for a lot. And I think it's really the antidote to a lot of the challenges that we are experiencing um, as, a, as a society and also um, individually. Um, and by a small practice, which can take five or 10 minutes per day, we can literally, literally change our lives and then also change the lives of others. Yeah. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And you. I will add all of your um, details. Um, if you send me the details for the meditations, I will add those as well. Everything will be in the show notes. So anyone who wants to get in touch with you can do so. Thank you very much for coming on today and talking to me. This was really interesting. And I think there was so much information. It was really great. Thank you so much, Christina. I loved it. And yeah, what an honor for me. Thank you for be making me part of your podcast. And um, yeah, <laughs> greetings to all of you who are listening. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Did you enjoy this episode? Then feel free to share, like, follow, subscribe. Just hit all of the buttons. For more info on today's topic, check out the show notes. You can also find me on Instagram at Christina underscore Simone or LinkedIn, Christina Beischel. I'll be back with a new episode next week. See you then.